Hey world, it's your girl XOJ Best, and you're tuned in to Wigs Off, and I'm here with your boy. AK, you know who it is now. <laughs> and I know that y'all are used to us talking about dating and shenanigans, but tonight we have a serious, serious topic, especially in our community. But I did want to give like a disclaimer that it may trigger some feelings and that uh, we have some information for you all to seek help if you need it. But I do want to tell what (laughs) I think that's every show that may trigger some feelings for some people. But this one is kind of different. So we're going to skip the the small talk today and go right into the topic. And we coined it. Just pray about it. And tonight's episode will be about mental health in the black community. So what I do want to start off by saying is that we don't want to alienate any of our listeners just because we're specifically speaking of the black community. But we're both black. That's a fact. <laughs> and so we can only talk about the experiences from our point of view, from our point of view and our background. So specifically, this episode will be mental health in the black community. And I just want to start by saying in the black community, there is a negative stigma surrounding surrounding mental health. And instead of seeking professional help for conditions such as depression, anxiety, the list goes on and on. Sometimes we resort to self-medication or isolating ourselves to kind of deal with the issues ourselves or just praying about it instead of seeking help. And why do you think that that is? Because that's what our forefathers were taught. So that's what they did. That's what we do. I, I, I mean, it is. It is. I, I know that we grow up and you hear us talking about seeking help in the church or going to talk to your pastor or praying about it. But some things are need more attention than just prayer or talking to a pastor. Because at the end of the day, the pastor is there for your spiritual needs, the needs of your soul, and not medical needs. Right. Right. That's true. (laughs) And I can't speak for black men, but I just know. I can. From growing up with black men, that black men are always told that men are not supposed to cry, that they should deal with their problems on their own. And this enforces the idea that it's not okay to tell people that y'all are hurting. Do you agree or disagree with that? Um, Do I agree if it's right or wrong or do I agree if that's what happens? That's what's been happening. Either. I agree that that's what's been happening. It's completely false. What you mean it's completely false? I mean, it's wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong is you teach, like we teach our... uh, our sons to basically keep everything in. Right. And then when they explode, then we're like, well, I don't know what's wrong with Johnny. <laughs> right. Like when Johnny was taught to. Oh, so was, I got, I got what right. He was okay. taught to suppress his feelings since the time he was eight years old until the right. time he was 22. So you do acknowledge that that has happened, but you don't agree with it. No, I don't. It's not right. It's yeah. wrong. It's wrong. But luckily in our family, especially with, we had a single mom, so she believed in going to therapy or talking to people if you needed to talk to someone outside of the family members or just like praying it away. Right. Um, I think we all have grown up with the 
saying, oh, that's just my crazy uncle or that's just my crazy drunk auntie. Maybe your uncle has PTSD because he was in the service. Or right. maybe your aunt has um, has endured some type of trauma. And so that led to her alcoholism. I mean, everyone endures trauma. Right. Everyone endures trauma. It, some people process it different and some people take longer to recover from it. But we all endure um, different types of trauma on a day to day basis. Is seeking help a sign of weakness? No. I mean, the greatest people in any profession in any world either worked under somebody mm-hmm. or taught by somebody. Um, you know, they were kind of taken under from somebody else's wing. I mean, it's just, it's a pride thing how people like saying, hey, I did this myself. Right. But sometimes you can't do things yourself. It's like, I can work on my own car, right? Yeah. But I can't change my own damn tires because I don't have a tire machine. <laughs> like, you know, so it's like just, some things you can do alone, but some right. things you need assistance. You have to have assistance. You have to. Period. Period. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why in the black community talking about mental health is so taboo. I can't remember a time where we just sat around as a family and discussed it. Like mama believes and getting us therapy, especially after our grandmother passed. We mm-hmm. were, like, struggling with it. I know you struggle with it a lot, too. Because right, we right, were, like, right. really, really attached to our grandmother. But as far as, like, the family, like, the core, like, the people who we have holidays with, I don't think we've ever just sat around and had a conversation about mental health. But that's... Uh, I don't really think it should be discussed like that. Why not? I mean, I think it's more personal. It is personal, but if if you're able to openly discuss mental health with the people that you love, then wouldn't you be more likely to go and talk to them if you're struggling? Not necessarily, because some people who you love, they might not be ready to receive that kind of message. I mean, you got to kind of know. So if you have kids or, Uh you know, like me and you, we're both level headed Mm -hmm. so we can talk about that if necessary. But if you say if you were a jackass or I was a, or I didn't get it and you didn't get we couldn't talk okay. about it. So you're saying certain Choose family wisely. members, right, right? Certain family members may be toxic. Right. And they might not be the person that you reach out to. You have to reach out to someone that's one objective that any uh, if that person can't be objective, you yeah. can't talk to them. Um, two, they have to be smart, you know, not necessarily smarter than you, but just another smart person, mm-hmm. you know, that, that can look at things objectively. Another competent adult that can say, hey. You may be right. You may be onto something. Right. Um, when any friend comes to me with a problem, I don't necessarily try to give them the answer, um, but I try to help them get the answer on their own. Gotcha. You know, I try to help them help guide them through their own mind instead of me telling them what to do. You know, back in the day, it's man, girl, you should do this. Or, yeah. Uh, man, dog, you should do that. I never say that. That's stupid. I guess that's the same premise of if you teach them how to fish, they'll eat for a lifetime. Right. Versus just giving them a fish. Right. If you give people the proper tools, then they'll be more likely to use those tools and help somebody else. When I went to therapy, uh-huh. my therapist, Brandon, he said, everything that I'm giving you, you still have to go and put it together. You have to go and execute, right? Uh-huh. Everything I'm giving you is a tool. So this was recent then? Uh, a couple of years ago. Okay. A couple of years ago. Um, But he just said that, you know, these things are tools. And without 
specific tools, you can't do specific jobs. Right. So if you don't, I don't care how smart you are, how good you are. If you ain't got pliers, you're not changing that faucet. Like it's just, it is what it, you know, you can't physically do it without the right tools. So you need tools. You have to have the tools. And if you don't have the tools, the person who you reach out to, hopefully they have some tools to share with you. Yeah. I think it's great that I'm able to talk to not only a black man, but a black man who has seek help. In the past. Yeah, I mean... I'm do, not you, gonna, do you hate I'm the term gonna, of me saying seeking help? No. Okay. No, I mean, we all need help. Yeah. I mean, even if it's moving furniture, if it's... I mean, what's what's the difference? Yeah. What's the difference of calling your friend to help you and then calling, finding somebody else? So I read this you? I read this uh, quote somewhere. Well, it's not even really a quote. It's just something that someone said, and I want to see if you agree or disagree. If we're unable to remove the negative stigma surrounding mental health in the black community, then we are willingly allowing another generation to go into this world without the proper tools. Therefore, we're setting them up to fail. Absolutely correct. Absolutely. It's so, 100% correct. So does that mean that we should start talking to the younger people in yes. our family or you should start by having a conversation with your kids? I do. I don't talk to them. I don't get deep into it because they won't fully understand it. But what I do is I plant the seeds. Uh So that way, over time, as I plant more seeds, the seeds that have grown can help the other new seeds grow. And then when they become grown, they kind of have all the seeds. Even though, like, I plant those seeds, they don't even know that they're planting. Yeah. You know, know, like my son, I I was watching this thing the other day, and this uh, Hispanic guy was like, yeah, we don't tell our we don't we don't we don't tell our our kids we love them in this family. Like we don't tell what? our son. That is like, so I never sad. told I never told my son I love him. You That's know, I think sad. you know it, but because to them in their culture, they think that it's being tough. It's teaching your kid to be tough, or it makes you weak by telling your son that you love him. Everybody need. Everybody wants to know that their father loves them. And I, you know, for me, my son he goes through a lot of trials and tribulations through sports, mm-hmm. you know, through sports injuries, through ups and downs, wins, losses, you know, whatever. Uh, but I always tell him, I look him in the eye and I say, hey, look, I love you. You know, I'm proud of you. Like, regardless of where you think I'm, don't ever think that this is bigger than you. Yeah. Like, you are always bigger than this. Um, and I need you to know that I will never sacrifice you for anything else. Look, that that hard up. Was about to make me a tear jerk just now because, well, cause, because like we, we need that. We need that. And when he got hurt, yeah, I had to look him in the eye because he was pissed. And you know he's a warrior. Yeah, and I had to tell him, hey, you don't have anything to prove. Yeah, right. Like you, 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 you don't have anything to prove. You don't have to prove anything to anybody else. Yeah. You've accomplished enough. Now is your time to rest. Then rest. I think this kind of can go back to um, the single parent home as well because. We need fathers. We need them to say those type of things to us. And it could start a foundation at a young age that you continuously build on. Because in my opinion, it's only certain things that you can gain from your mom. And there are certain things that you need to gain from your dad. That's much is true. So the fact that, you know, you're starting with them early and you're telling them that is building a foundation for them that may bring them through right. some type of like mental health challenge or makes them more likely to come I and mean, talk to you about it. And then you really like, I pride myself on my kids being tough. 
Uh-huh. But more so, they're they're physically tough, but they're more mentally tough. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I push them mentally mm-hmm. just as much as I push them physically. Right. Um, and what I mean is I push them mentally to be like more responsible, to you know, to try to to be open. Um, especially like you know my boys, I try to make sure that they know like, hey, no matter what's going on. You have somebody you can actually talk to because for us, you know, as men, we want to keep everything in and, you know, our egos and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. We try to keep it in and it doesn't help us. Like it, it literally never helps to keep something. In. I have never heard anybody say, yeah, I got that off my chest. Nah, I don't feel better. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> uh, you think about it, yeah. when you get, you know, because it gives you that release. Yeah. It, it gives you that. OK, I was able to release the tension. But if not, you just shake the bottle. Shake the bottle, shake and the bottle, shake the bottle. Explode. And when that cap gets loose and loose and, and then when that cap blows up, it's like, well, damn, what happened? You know, it's like the, the girl, the boy, the 15 year old, 16 year old boy who choked his sister to death. Oh, wow. Um, he, he was arguing over a video game or something. Him, his mom, his little brother mm-hmm. and his 20 year old sister. She was 20 years old. Uh, he was 15. And he put, he put her in a headlock. And it's like, let her go, let her go, let her go, let her go. And he basically choked her to death. Wow, that's crazy. And he didn't know. Of course, he was. And it's like, how are you even capable of that? And the reason why is because he's never like he's had things in the past and he's given them signs, but they haven't seen those signs. Right. Or they haven't reacted enough to those signs. Say, hey, you know what? Maybe uh, we should get him. Maybe John needs somebody to talk to. Not even professional help first. I'm not saying go do that first because everybody didn't have the funds to do that. Um, But. There are people. Everyone knows a wiser person that you can speak with. It starts with. with a conversation. It does. Um, can you... Okay. So just thinking about growing up with granddaddy. Mm-hmm. We used to always say, granddaddy crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you now as an adult see that granddaddy needed help and that it was a good thing that mama actually got him help? I mean, I don't think it changed any much. I mean, he still used to throw stuff at me and he was still an alcoholic so yeah but him being in the military led to his PTSD it did. which led to his mental break it did I can remember times when we were like growing up in Louisiana and uh granddaddy's room was right across from mine when he came to move with us and he would be talking to his mama and he like full blown conversation yeah. with his mama yeah and his mama passed away during childbirth yeah so it was just like he crazy, and you would you would definitely find black families who have dealt with the same thing, and was just like, oh, that's my granddaddy, he crazy. But instead maybe, of seeking help for him, but, you know. But maybe that was his release. It was because he didn't have anyone else, anybody else to talk to about it. So he talked to her. That was a release, but it's a mental break at the same time, though. I mean, I guess I'm a not, break from I'm reality. Not, I'm not really qualified enough to say what's a mental break and what's not. Yeah. But I will say that um, talking to somebody who's been dead since you were born is definitely a mental break because you never met them. I mean, not necessarily, but you knew of them. Yeah. What? How? How? How is that different than talking to Jesus? That's true. I mean, that's that's really no different. Speaking about talking to Jesus, we named this episode Just Pray About It. And people are always saying, you need to talk to your pastor. You need to go pray. Cast all your cares on the altar, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't think but that's correct. even a verse in the Bible states that prayer without works is dead. 
So you can pray as much as you want. All day. If you're not putting work into it and work as in seeking oh, help, work, work. seeking help from somebody who's able to help you, then it's going to be dead. Then you'll still be praying to Jesus and you'll still need help. You'll still need somebody to help you out because you're crazy. Right. The thing is, some people don't believe in Jesus. I do. So I'll just go from my background. But right. um, he put smart people here. <laughs> he put smart people on this earth who this went to school to, right. to, to help people with these types of things. So why wouldn't you use that as a tool or avenue to, to seek help? And I'm going to put this on the pastors because, you know, as a pastor, you know, damn well that you're not qualified to help somebody no, who clearly not. needs some type of no, medical assistance. Not. So you need to tell your parishioners, hey. Just because you this, went to Bible school right. does not mean that you can tell somebody who has mental health issues how to solve those problems. I agree. There's no way. I agree. So it starts for whoever, for the people that's into the church. If your pastor is not willing to, to give you other resources other than just pray about it, then maybe you need to seek somebody else. And I'm not against pastors helping you get to where you need to go and, and counseling you. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is prayer without works is dead, people. What you, she's saying You have to seek, seek some other type of help. Your pastor is for spiritual counseling only. Right. Only. Your doctor is for your physical health counseling only. Medical, you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't go to your medical doctor, your skin doctor, and say, "Hey, doc, uh, you know, I was talking to God the other day. He was like, yeah, Johnny, you ain't doing it right.'" And he'd <laughs> right. be like, "What the hell are you talking about? That ain't got nothing to do with me." Like you wouldn't you wouldn't do that. So why would you go to your pastor and talk about mental health? That's not even I go agree. to a mental health professional. Go to everyone. Go to somewhere. I mean, they have programs. It, to be honest, if you have a decent enough job, a lot of your jobs will offer. Yeah, if, a free if you, program, even I'm, if it's only for a couple you, of hours. I'm going to tell you, your HR department doesn't want you to know about it. But yeah. if you ask, your company has to provide you. Damn near any company across the country. I agree. Your company has to provide you with um with mental health care. Some type of it, whether it's it. half off or whatever, whatever, yeah. they, they have to provide you with it. Yeah. If you say you had stress on the job and something at the job caused you to have a mental break, they have to provide it for you. Yeah. It's law. My job it's has law. Uh, definitely talked about uh, things like that, getting people mental health care. And if you feel like you're having a break or uh, if something is just hanging on and you can't get rid of it, then you need to seek help. And they provide those resources. So that's definitely an option if you have a, a job. Um any job, really, right. if you feel like you can't find any other type of help, ask somebody at your job. Uh, go to your HR department. Um, I was reading mm-hmm. up on some things about this topic, and I was shocked to find out that uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. reportedly suffered with severe depression. And, um, I could only imagine. And periods of his life, he refused psychiatric treatment even after being urged by his staff. I mean, Steve Jobs, he he refused treatment. I mean, that was medical treatment, but, you know, some guys are really smart and so smart that they're stupid. Uh, that's just, that's crazy that you could lead this civil rights movement and get people, you know, ready to change. 
but you won't even change yourself. But you know, that was in the 50s, though. 60s, 60s, 60s. I mean, that's that's a long time ago for a black man to go to. I don't even think there were any mental health care professionals that would even take a black man back then. But with his stature, I'm pretty sure there was. His stature now wasn't what it was then. Yeah. I mean, because I asked Papa, I was like, let me ask you a question. Uh Um, You know, Martin Luther King, what? What was the the feel around him back then? Yeah, you know what he told me. What he said, nobody really knew him. Like we didn't really know who he was. Uh-huh. We didn't really know what he did uh-huh. because it wasn't like it wasn't all over the place like it is now. Yeah. Um. So it was really hard to you know you got signs and you heard some things about it, but it wasn't as big then yeah. as it is now, and that's because his message was only able to reach so many people back then. Yeah. But over the years, his message has evolved. And it's been able to spread all the way across the world. So I think, you know, back then things were a lot different yeah. um, than they are now. I don't, I don't think it, back then it was. Uh, and then he was a pastor. So I agree that it was a lot different back then than it is now. But we're still not seeking help now. And we didn't seek help back then. Yeah, but I think so we seek more help now. It's different, but it's still we, the same. We seek. I mean, I had to be pushed into it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to act like I just dove into it at first. <laughs> Well, you were you. We were nine at the. the no, initial. I'm talking about as an adult. Oh, as an adult. Okay. As an adult, because you know, man, you don't need no help. Man. Ain't nothing wrong with me. So let me read this. Let me run this by you, um, and you tell me what you think. Search social circumstances can attribute to the likelihood of developing a mental illness. <clears throat> Absolutely. Okay. So since you with me, we're gonna keep going. African-Americans are more likely to experience economic distress, racism, and other social social circumstances that can increase their chances of developing depression or mental illness. It's absolute. It's a fact. Yeah. That's a fact. I had a friend earlier today, uh, one of my techs, mm-hmm. he's trained to be a supervisor, right? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to train him up and... Uh, I guess there was an AC that he couldn't fix. Uh-huh. And the first thing he said was, he was like, man, I couldn't fix it, bro. I don't deserve to be a supervisor. What? Because that's 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 how we feel. That's how we take things like, hey, if I can't do it, I don't deserve this. Yeah. Like, if I can't do A, I don't deserve B. Um, and I told him, I was like, well, hey, you know, I mean, sometimes it takes a second day. Yeah. Sometimes it takes a fresh head where you do it first thing. Um and then, you know, after I had a talk with him about 15 minutes later, he was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to get it tomorrow. It's not going to it's not going to defeat yeah. me. And it's not going to beat yeah. me. And I told him, I was like, the only way it beats you is if you quit. Right. That's the only way it beats you. I um I want to go back to. But that that is real. though. Yeah. I want to go back to the that um, economic distress can definitely lead to mental illness. Um, We grew up. I think cause the place where we grew up was below poverty level I guess yeah. Lumberton is like really like poor but we had a family we had food on the table we had clothes so it didn't feel like it but had we been in a different circumstance where like our mom didn't have a good job and we missed meals that could have totally messed us up and we could have had some did, type of though. disorders we didn't miss meals I mean there were times where, you know, we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot, but we never missed a meal. 
I mean, I guess you if you say it like that, okay. I mean, it was food there, but we didn't have a lot compared to other folks, maybe. But we never missed like being enrolled in sports and different types of things. Just think about some of the people that we grew up when we moved to Louisiana and we stayed in in Baker Trails. Some of the kids who moms didn't work and they still didn't have stuff. Or like people would always come to our house because we had stuff and they didn't have stuff. Yeah, but that I mean, can lead to type a type of distress that that follows you as an adult. Like you say I never stuff, had like, it, so I mean, what are you talking about? I mean, we was wearing fucking starter clothes True. when everybody else was wearing Nike. Like I had computers, but my mom was bringing them old computers home from work, and I would rebuild them shits yeah. to make a computer. But some people didn't even have that type of access. I mean, I guess. I mean, that was do that, you, okay, things, so things do were you, different with do that. You, do you think dealing with that could have? Uh, put you through some type of distress that could have carried on with you i mean it does when you go to school and you got three uniforms and everybody else got like you got like the cheapest shit that you know the pants don't fit right i guess i guess it's different because you a boy yeah like as a girl i get yeah my uniforms was cute i mean i didn't mind please as a girl that's what i'm saying as a girl it don't matter but as a boy it's more like you are judged like a girl. Is, See, like, I didn't even a, know you was holding on to this, so this could have caused you some type of distress. I mean, I'm not holding on. I'm just telling you how it was. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that's that's your perception. That's your truth. A, that was girl, not my perception. As a girl, you're more. It's more about your looks and who you're friends with. Yeah. As a boy, it's, it's about. Wear. It's always about, about what, what you wear. wear. Yeah. It's always about what you wear, from the shoes all the way up. You know, um, and it, just your haircut. You know, if you if, if you can keep your hair cut, what kind of you know shirt you had under your school shirt? So then we totally agree that a social a social circumstance can definitely increase your chances of developing depression or mental. Illness. I mean, absolutely. I mean, granted, I was mentally tough where yeah. I didn't give a fuck. But if you were being picked on constantly and you weren't, I as mean, tough, people tried to, but yeah. I wasn't having that shit, bro. Yeah. I was just like. I was Ditto. I was ready to fight any day, any time because they didn't matter. Yeah, you know, but uh, but some people aren't like that. Some people are more sensitive. So yeah. you know, when it comes to that, but had they had a father like you, the way you're raising your kids now, and will you tell them, look, like what these people say don't fucking matter. You are better than what they're saying about you, and they don't determine how you live your life. Then maybe that would make a difference. Yeah, I mean, because I was snubbed on the All-Star team three years in a row. Yeah. In baseball. Baker Little League. Yeah. I was snubbed three years in a row. Um, and that was that was that was hard on me, but I never talked to anybody about that. Yeah. That's why I quit the sport. Because then when I was eleven, they jumped me up to senior league, which is thirteen year olds. Yeah. And it just it, it ruined it ruined it. It, it killed yeah. me for me. Yeah. And I quit the sport. I didn't like it. I mean, it's a it was a predominantly white, white sport. sport. Yeah, um, I was definitely the token black kid back then. Yeah. and you were too, which is why you were pushed up to leagues. I mean, more bases. I mean, more stolen bases, more strikeouts. Yeah, you know, more, mine was more home. More home mine was more home. I mean, it was it was all <laughs> of it for me. Yeah, you know, um, more RBIs, but I couldn't I couldn't deal with. The constant, constant look over. Yeah. Like, n- like literally nobody looked at me. The only time people talked to me it was probably when you was hitting the home run. When I was, when something. I was hitting the home run, when so, I was doing something great. Other nev- than that, you never thought as a kid to talk to mama about that. Did no. you talk to mama about it? No. I mean, why would I? She wasn't there. She had to work. Yeah. And I understood that it wasn't her fault. 
Like, so, I mean, it's just like football. I didn't play football in high school because I, it was too expensive. Yeah. And I didn't want to ask her for the money to do it. Yeah. Um, and the one year I did play, I didn't want to ask her for anything. I found lime and cleats behind the trash can and I used those. Yeah. Until one day I slipped and uh, <laughs> on my touchdown, and they got to the locker. It's like, best of what the hell you got on? <laughs> what are and some, those? And, some, and, and uh, Damian Kaufman yeah. actually gave me a bat. He had a second pair of cleats. He gave me, and I wore those for the rest of the season. Yeah. But because I didn't give a fuck, it was like I love this sport. I'm gonna play it. I don't have to ask my mom for this shit. I can put you these on. You never thought to have a conversation with mama about it. Like no. that's weird. Why not? I mean, about what though? Like, what do you? What do you say? Cause you 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 could have that could have been a struggle for you. It was, but so then, but like, you know, if kids you're struggling with something in life, and Mama has always been the type that, of though. person though that you could talk to her about. Anything. I know me so and Mama were close. We so talked about a lot. So when I lost weird. my virginity, all of that. Yeah, me too. So but, it's but just weird I'm, that you wouldn't talk to her about this that you could have been struggling with. But you got to understand the age gap, though. I mean, you're talking about like 16, 17 year olds don't just come to you and open up about their problems. I they do. Don't, I do. Men don't. Yeah, men don't. Like, yeah. like we have to be taught to do that. Like so we got to start teaching our men. Like, when I see my son, I can look through his, I can look through his eyes yeah. and tell if it's something wrong. Oh, yeah. I could even and tell I say, that. Hey. I can even tell that with Jay. I say, hey. And I'm not around him as often as you. Yeah. Oh, no, no, What's going on? No, Talk you're to a lie, me. yeah. Come tell, tell, tell me what's going on. Then if they push back too hard, then I'm on like, okay, well, look, this is what we'll do. Um, I'll give you some time, mm-hmm. and I'll come and ask. We'll talk about it later, and then I'll actually come back later because I want to help. You want to follow up on? Yeah, it, I want to. Yeah, because because I I need to know. You know, if it's even if it's something is because these kids go through a lot with the social media age and everything being recorded on video, oh, and yeah. they, and everybody having access to you know Snapchat and, and all of that shit where they can post stupid videos and say shit all the time, and then you got to right. come back with a rebuttal and somebody saying something to you, and then I mean that shit just. It, it's ridiculous, bro. It's, it's it's to the point now where nothing can be, like, there's no genuine one-on-one, like, contact with people yeah. where you have conversations with everybody people. Everybody can have Twitter fingers and Snapchat fingers everybody, and IG fingers everybody and just be, talking a keyboard, shit. be a keyboard thug. The dude who I bought my truck from, I didn't tell you about that. What? No, I just bought my truck, right? Yeah. All right. So, Atlanta Luxury Motors. I'm going to blast their ass, right? So, I bought my truck from Atlanta Luxury Motors. Um... I get a, a text message from the finance guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I put five grand down. So mm-hmm. I, I got a text message from the finance guy. He was like, hey, uh, you know, you owe $522. And I'm like, how the fuck I owe 500 and something? On a, first off, I traded my old truck in. Yeah. Bought the new one and put five grand down. How the hell yeah, could yeah. I owe money? Yeah. That shit don't even make sense. So he's like, well, you got to call Alley Financial. The payoff was wrong. Yeah. You know. So I didn't get around to it. It was a Friday. He called me at like three o'clock. You know, I'm crazy at work. So come Monday, uh, well, this was Sunday night. He texted me, Did you call Ally? I'm like, Well, no. Um, you know, I didn't have time, but I'll call him first thing Monday morning. Oh, well, we need we need to settle this now. And I'm like, settle what? Like, what do you because I wanna know, like I have legit questions mm-hmm. because I'm not going off of just some random person calling me talking about, yeah, I need an extra $522. Yeah. I have to actually see this and know what's going on. Right. That's the responsible thing to do. So he texts me and he says, well, the payoff was wrong. Yeah. You know, um, you signed a payoff agreement for X amount of dollars. Uh, and that's not what the payoff is. It's $522 more. Oh, well, if I signed this agreement, that's what we agreed to. But I told him, I'm like, 
but your guy wrote the payoff amount down. Right. That's not my job. You sell the cars. Your job is to call my old finance company. Right. Find out what the payoff is, and then you make me the offer, and you bring Sound me the numbers. Like that's a loss they're going to take. That's not what they did, though. Yeah. That's not what they did. So, you know, his, you know, and this, this old, bald, white guy, bro, mm-hmm. like, and this, and he was just fucking like, you know, you don't want to go there. You don't want to bring it here. What? And, I'm, and I told him, I was like, dude, I'm going to tell you, this tough shit over the text message, <laughs> it, it's not a good look on you. Yeah. You know, I'm like, what are you doing right now? You know, like, this is like, what are you doing? Because I'm really about that shit. Like, you playing games. <laughs> right. Bro, I will really come up there and knock on your door. Like, because I told him the last <laughs> minute, bro, I texted him about six times. I was like, don't fucking text me again. Yeah. Like, stop texting and he kept sending me messages. You want to go? You want to such and such? You want to? Oh, I'll come to work for this. I mean, just crazy shit. And I told him the last message I sent him. I said, I'm not going to send you another message. But when I come back up there for y'all to fix some scratches on my truck, I'm going to knock on your door. Keep that same energy. I want to see if you're going to have that same. <laughs> see, people I want to see if you're going to have that same. People see if you're going to have that same energy. energy when they behind something. And, and I'm going to still be respectful. I'm going to still be professional. But I'm going to come at him like, yo, bro. Um, I don't know what. Because what, I told the guy who I bought the car from. I'm like, yeah, your finance manager got some mental issues. Yeah. Uh, oh, he got mental. He, he got had, mental health He issues? has some mental health. Yeah. Like, you could tell like the way he went from like zero to like a thousand and then and then he was back to zero yeah. i mean he was back to like well i'm sorry if it didn't work in your plans i mean i'm like oh well maybe he didn't this? have his daddy <laughs> around the, the the set of foundation right, for like his this ass dude is batshit crazy yeah like he really really that is. is so weird we use that term batshit crazy all the time but these people need help that dude really and this is a professional, professional. who is at somewhere that's taking people's money for luxury cars, I gave that dude not just a Kia lot or a Honda lot. Luxury bro, all cars. All they got is, is Cadillacs, Lexus, Jaguars, yeah. like Acuras, Infinities. That's the only thing on their lot. Only thing on their lot, bro. And I'm like, dude, I just paid sixty thousand dollars for a truck. Yeah, like I just gave you five grand cash. I just get, got rid of. My, I just made did all these arrangements mm-hmm. for you to tell me, yeah, just bring it back. I was like, just bring it back. I mean, this shit signed for. What the wrong with you? I can bring this shit back. You tripping. Right. You tripping, bro. So, you, I notice myself saying this a lot when somebody do something or somebody acts a certain way. And I say, man, that's crazy. Bro, you're crazy. Should we stop doing that? I mean, Is that labeling something? Because it's like, once you label something, you make it that thing's narrative. Like, if I'm like, you crazy, you crazy, you crazy. But, but you know, in our culture, though, crazy means funny. Yeah. And our culture, crazy also means like... But to the person that's struggling mentally, maybe it doesn't. But, I mean, but it's never really used in that context. Oh, she it's, called me crazy. It's not the word. It's the context in which you use it. You know, like, we sitting here joking. I'm like, girl, you crazy. I'm like, girl, you crazy. Then you like, oh, but, yeah, if I, yeah, yeah, but if yeah. I was bipolar, I might take offense to that. Then you should be taking medication. <laughs> that still don't mean that I could I could still be taking my medication. If you take offense to a word, because it, it's a label, it's not just a word. It's a label. I don't think so. Words have power. They do, but it, it's the context in which you speak. Crazy the word. Uncle Joe. It, it's a label. Why are you crazy? We bro? have we have label Uncle Joe crazy when really. 
he has bipolar disorder Which or severe crazy. No, or mm-hmm. severe depression. No, just because you're suffering with a mental illness does not make you crazy. If it's unchecked, it do. If it's unchecked, <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. But if and Uncle Joe shit probably unchecked. But, but, it, but if it's not. Especially with all them brewskis he taking But what in. I'm saying is if it's not unchecked, then that, then that label is something that we need to be more aware of. But I don't. I mean, it's different, though. It's almost like you, you know, offering alcohol to someone who's an, who's a recovering alcoholic, but you don't know that. Yeah. So if you're ignorant to it, then there's no way that that person can hold you responsible for using it in that context. If you don't know, I mean, you don't know until you know. So I read a statistic that said that um, African Americans develop uh, mental health conditions at an equal rate as any other race out there, but. We're 25% um, in seeking help versus 40% of whites that are seeking help. That they make more money. It's that simple. Does money always equate to money, seeking help? Money matters. Hell yeah. Bro, do you know how? I mean, think about, think about it. That's like saying, yeah, uh, you know, another race eats healthier. Yeah, because they make, you know how expensive it is to eat healthy? Noodles, cheap as shit. Yeah. Hot dogs, cheap as shit. Yeah. I mean, it matters, bro. It's, it might not be the whole 15% difference from 25 to 40, yeah. but I guarantee you it makes up at least 10% of that. I mean, think about it. Are you telling me that the wealthiest families, what's the first thing they do when their kid's on drugs? They send them to, they rehab, send them to rehab because they can afford to send them to rehab. That's true. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just a fact, you know? I mean, so um, there are a number of factors that can lead to this, including... Um, <clears throat> feeling marginalized. Maybe that's why we don't seek help. I, this is like totally unrelated to mental health, but Serena Williams had just had her baby and she mm-hmm. had a blood clot in her leg, I think. She didn't know it was a blood clot at the time, but she kept telling her doctors and nurses, hey, something isn't right. right. I need y'all to check into it. Nobody would buy it. Nobody would believe it. Nobody cared. She had to seek a second opinion and they found out it was a blood clot in her leg. So we can't even get people to believe us when we say that we need help all the time and we're being marginalized by healthcare professionals. So, I mean, but just because they first off, the word professional doesn't mean anything. That just means they're in their field, right? Yeah. yeah. That doesn't mean that they're the best, right? Just because you're a professional doesn't mean that you're the best at your profession. But if you're that that's different for her because she's a rich woman and she's she able to seek a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth opinion if she True. wanted it. But if you're a broke <coughs> kid in the projects and you and you need help and you go to somebody and they say, Oh no, you don't need help. You just crazy. Lay off the carbs or something. You don't have other resources to help you. That's where the money comes in. That's so what, I mean. what can we do if we don't have money to seek help? There's nothing you can do. I mean, you can't do it until you do it. Yeah. I mean, if you can't lift the weight, then the weight is unliftable to you at that point. Um, but what you can do is you can lean on others to help you pick that weight up. Right. So what I mean is if you can't afford it, then you can reach out to enough people to where someone will know somebody yeah. That can give you a little bit of help. Yeah. Like a little bit of help. You may not be able to get to the professional and, you know, and uh, and spend $200 an hour. Uh, but, I mean, they have people. They have wise, 
elders that, that, that you can speak to, you know, in every family and every friendship and all of that. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I'm glad that we had um, our first taste of therapy when we were young. Because I don't even remember it. You, you might not remember it. I still have my journals from it. Um, I don't remember the sessions per se, but I do remember that at that time. Your journals. Girls write journals. <laughs> you had a journal too. Mine was burgundy. Yours was green. You probably don't know where the hell it's at, but. No. Just that, that still could have planted a seed inside of us that it's okay to seek help because we got it early. Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. Um, I want people to know that it's okay to seek help. Definitely. 100%. If you're dealing with something that you can't come to some type of solution as far as like um, you can't get out of bed, you're feeling tired, you're having thoughts of, uh, of harming yourself, like that's not normal and you need to, to reach out to someone who can assist you. Who would you, if you were having an issue right now, uh-huh. And um, you didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, you just felt so um, depressed. Depressed. Well, okay. I'm not even gonna say depressed because at that moment you may not know that it's depression. You just have feelings of angst, worry. You can't get to sleep, or you just you don't want to you don't want to get out of bed. Who would you talk to first? I'm gonna be honest with you. I can't even empathize with that because I don't. That would never be me. That could never be me. Like my mind that could so, be you. No, it couldn't. My mind is so different than the way you're you're portraying that. Like, I mean, because you're thinking like a woman, because you got no. stress over everything. I don't necessarily. I don't like stress. Well, over- I'm asking you a question. I'm saying if it hypothetically, hypothetically, who would you go to first? I don't have anybody to go to. You wouldn't go to your wife. Mm, I mean, I guess it. Yeah, I mean, because she's my best friend, so I probably would like talk to her about it. But I don't know. I mean, you know, that could be embarrassing depending on what it is. What? Even talking to your wife, the person you share the rest of your life with. Yeah, I mean, you could still be embarrassed. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can because it's still like it's still personal things, you know, that she doesn't want me to know about her, you know, and it's still personal things that I don't want her to know about me. I mean, because it could be embarrassing. You never know. Yeah. And you never really know truly how people receive things. Um, now, she won't judge me because she know I'm, it's something wrong with me. Yeah. She know that already. Uh, so, I don't know. I would probably go to her, but I don't think that's enough. Like, that wouldn't be enough. Well, she would be able to push you to seek help. She probably, I mean, if I needed that, I would think she I would think she would. Um, I think we can all work to bring awareness and be mindful. Um, like I like I was telling you earlier about our language surrounding mental illness. And we can educate family members, friends, and colleagues about the mental, about the unique challenges that black people suffer from or that we deal with and become aware of our own attitudes and belief towards uh, mental illness. Because something you just said, it just like really ticked me off. But Which was what? I would never deal with that. I just, I don't, you never know what you would No, I didn't say I would never deal with that. I'm saying my mind doesn't work that way. I've conditioned it over the years. It doesn't work yeah. that way. Like, I am my hardest critic, okay? Mm-hmm. So, 
there's nothing that could happen that would make me feel mm-hmm. worse than how I make myself feel. And I'm different. So I beat myself up mm-hmm. to build myself up. Like me beating myself up is my motivation to move forward, to get better. Some people, they beat themselves up and it's a self-esteem issue, a depression issue. Yeah. Mine is the opposite. So I use it to, but then it's kind of, it, it, it it's good, but it's really, but sometimes it can be bad. Let me yeah. tell you why. Say you tell me, hey, um, you know, you're doing great. You're a great dad. You take care of your kids, whatever. And in my head, like I can't rationalize how that's a compliment. In my head, that's what I should do. Yeah. Like, and that's it. Like I can't even accept your compliment because in my head, that's what I should Are be doing. Are you speaking already. hypothetically? Or you no, real? this is facts. Oh. <clears throat> so like when you tell me, you know, you're a great dad. You listen that. I just cringe every time you say. Why? Like, oh. I feel like we 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 have to. <laughs> Why do you cringe? I feel like we have to. People I say, know, but like, I just you, you say that that's what you're supposed to do, but a lot of people don't do it. And just because you're supposed to do something, don't mean that you will do it well. That's and true. And so the fact that you do it well, you should be able to accept yeah, that. But, but people, usually people who do things See, well. See, now that sounds crazy. No. <laughs> yes, it does. Usually people who do things well uh-huh. are, what can I, I, all right, so say for me, right? I do I do a lot of things well. Oh, Lord. Somebody <laughs> to toot my own horn. Whatever. Okay, I'm good at everything. That's just, that's that's he, my that's my is, greatest skill. He is a jackass of all trades. That's I, my greatest skill. Admit. But I used to look at it as a curse. Yeah. Because I was like, I fought my ass off to get here, and it's always somebody better. Yeah. Like, it's always some, every time I try to do something, it's always Will somebody better. you stop slapping on your table, please? Because <laughs> it's serious now. <laughs> Quarters of session. I tried to I tried to rationalize how can I still keep moving forward and keep competing knowing that I will never be the best yeah. at anything. And I had a friend tell me, he's like, dude, I may be great at this, but you could do this, that, the third, the fourth, the fifth. And I was like, oh, shit. And that's when it hit me. Yeah. It was like my greatest skill. I'm the greatest at being good at everything. Yeah. Like instead of being great at one thing, I'm good at everything. So um, he literally said everything. Everything, everything that I do anyway. I mean, I'm good at. It. I'm just. It is what it is. It's a cur- my yeah. kids are too. Yeah. I mean, my kids are really good at the things that they love. Like yeah. anything that they can do, they they're really good at it. Like it's just you know, it's just a skill. But um, I said all that to basically say, when you say for me, any parent who says I'm a great parent mm-hmm. is not a great parent. Like you can't say because it's too hard. Yeah. Like. Things are always constantly changing. It's not like saying, I'm great at cleaning. Like cleaning your house is for the most part the same. The house doesn't change, right? Your house it gets a little older and needs a little more maintenance. But, you know, for your kids, you're good at rambling. <laughs> Let's move on. Whatever. I think this is a great episode. Yeah. But we need to, it will be interesting this Christmas. Um, which is a bit of bit of ways away, or whatever holiday we have next, and just talk about it. Nah, I'm good. You wouldn't be a part of the conversation. No, 
I'm good. I deal with me and my own kids. Let all these other adults, they got to deal with that shit on their own. Yeah, but it, I think it would it would just be great to have a conversation about it to see what our elders think, like what Uncle Charles think or what Papa think or what Aunt Kim think, what they think about mental health. And, um, then bring it up to them. Let me know how it goes. No, you need to be a part of the conversation too. No, I do not. I feel like you're a wall right now. See, that's the you might be the family member that can help somebody else help somebody else, but you blocking yourself off. I probably could be, but the fact that you talking about it with your kids is better than nothing at all. I got enough problems. Right, I understand. Um, It's hard. I know you from a woman's perspective, but uh from a man's, it's hard. Holding everybody together, like but being. See, I can say that same thing because women are the backbones of families. Women are always supposed to be stoic and endure, endure, endure. <laughs> Men are least likely to compromise <coughs> in any state of what's going on or what they want to do. And women, are, women true. were taught since the beginning of time to endure, take care of the family, take care of the man, no you matter sound what's going 100% on. Hundred percent sexist right now. I'm just saying. So I can say that women, so you're dying right now. <laughs> I'm sick, man. I don't feel good, but it's all good, though. Um, is there anything that you want to say before we part ways with our listeners? Uh, no, nah, I talk enough. They know what's up. <laughs> I want to say that um, everybody feels down or sad occasionally, <clears throat> but these feelings usually pass within a few days. And when the feelings of sadness, worry, and hopelessness last for weeks at a time, you need to seek some help. And we have a couple of, um, well, I have, I looked up a couple of avenues for you to seek help with. The first is the National Institute of Mental Health, and their website is www.nimh.nih.gov, and they have a toll-free number at 866-615-6464. And if you live in Georgia, as we live in Georgia, they have the Georgia Crisis Line, and their number is 844-549-4266. And we have the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that number is 800 273 8255 or you could just simply dial 911 right if at your time of need you can't think of anything else or anyone else to talk to call 911 and they will get you some help probably faster than you can get help on your own to be honest um so that's a great avenue i i think that black people need to start having a conversation about mental health. It starts with just your family. Like my brother, he he may not be willing to talk about it with other folks or other family members, but at least you start you having a conversation with your kids. It's not because I'm not willing to talk about it. It's just, you know, you a man. No. And see, that's why it's so hard for <laughs> black men to get help because they don't want to talk about it. It don't have anything that I talk about. It, I just don't. I don't need anybody else's burdens or problems. I, 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 I mean, I, I feel you on that because sometimes people want to, you know, display their baggage on you and put it off on you. And it, it may be too much for you to handle, but we want 
a conversation to it's be never started. Too much for me to handle. We want a conversation to be started. We want a conversation to be had. <clears throat> and I hope we didn't alienate any of our listeners by just specifically speaking of the black community. Like I said at the beginning, we can only go by what we know and what we've grown up in and who we are. So we have to go from right. that back. But this information is relevant to all. To right? everybody, right. It's relevant to everybody. So if you're seeking um, some type of help, then you have already started the ball to roll it. I think that's a good a good place to end it all. Yep. Um, this has been episode nine of the Wigs Off podcast. And we out. Let's go.